Welcome to the Covenant Women Podcast with Dr. Adonica Howard-Brown, your on-demand source for Holy Ghost-filled preaching and teaching. You bring blessing everywhere you go. You bring freedom. You bring liberty. Out of your inmost being will flow rivers of living water. Be refreshed, encouraged, and strengthened as you hear the Word today. Thank you, Jesus. So let's look at G, and we'll start with G for growing. So God's plan for us is to be constantly growing and producing fruit. Anything that's not growing is dead, and it's useless, and dead branches get cut off. I think there's a lot of things in the Bible that we don't understand. As, we do understand because we're not dumb, but we don't understand fully because we, we, don't, we no longer live on farms. Basically, back in the day, everybody lived on a farm. Everybody, everybody grew their own stuff, pretty much. Um, and so they understood. In fact, a lot, in those days, people were a lot more dependent on the Lord because they knew they needed the Lord for their crop, right? I mean, they, they sowed that, the crop into the ground, but they needed God to help them bring it up. They needed God to keep the locusts away and for the rain to come at the right time and for the rain to come in its season, not to have droughts and everything else. And so they, they, you realize when you grow things, you, you're dependent on, on God very much. Amen. And, and Jesus uses so many stories, and the Bible uses so many stories that relate back to those things that we can relate to and understand. So if you've, ever, if you've had a garden at all, uh, then you understand, you know, my, my parents bought a house when I was uh, a little kid, I think I was about five or six, and the gentleman that, that owned the house before us, he had planted a ton of fruit trees in the back, which was totally awesome. We had like peaches, plums, uh, nectarines, all of those types of fruits and stone fruits. We had a few apples, but they, they were just sort of sour and nasty because it wasn't really the right kind of apple tree and it wasn't the right climate for apples. But the peaches, plums, apricots, and nectarines grew, you know, amazingly. So we would just go to the back and just in that season, just pick fruit and eat it and eat it and eat it and eat it. Probably ate a few worms as well, but you know. <laughs> and it was completely organic. That was the good part. And so we grew up like eating tons and tons of fruit. And when um, in, in the front they had, they had, this guy planted roses. It was like, I don't know how many rose bushes, maybe 15 or 20 rose bushes, and each one was a completely different color. And so I remember at the season, of whenever it was that season for that plant, my dad had to go out and he had to prune all the fruit trees, and then he had to prune all the, all the roses, and there's a spe- specific way that you prune roses. It's like you have to do it in a specific place on the branch, and you have to do it in a, at a certain angle and everything, otherwise you kill it. But if you leave it, then, and you leave the fruit trees, and you, or you just leave the roses, then it just, it just grows and grows and grows, but then the fruit that's being produced is small and you know, and then eventually it'll, it'll stop because it's, it's too spread out. It's got too, much, got too much going on. So, you know, our life needs to be pruned. We need to cut out some of the too much that's going on. So, you know, in, in, in ladies, I know we're all multifaceted jewels, but don't take on too much. Don't take, and don't be, because some of us are, are such, and I'm looking at you, and I'm not looking at you, there's some of you I can point out, but you're so willing to serve that you just take on too much. You have such a heart to, to, to just be a part, but you, just, you take on too much. And one of the things, though, that I learned, too, was like even for when I was cleaning my house, uh, I, you know, we'd be traveling on the road, I'd come home. All I did all day long was cook and clean. 
We had this big house. That's all I did was cook and clean. I hardly, you know, didn't have time to have fun with the kids or do, you know, was do homeschool in between cook and clean, cook and clean, cook and clean, cook and clean. And, you know, it was my mess and I needed to do with it and I didn't want to, have, you know, it was sort of a shame to have somebody else come in and do it because I needed to do it, you know. And uh, uh, so, you know, I had some American ladies tell me, I just dust my stove. Like, you would never say, in other words, they ate out every meal, which isn't healthy anyways, but they were grandparents and they were older and they, you know, they didn't have kids to take care of. If you have kids, you can't eat out every meal. Um, I mean, you can, but it's not going to be well with you or them. They, you know, <laughs> they're going to be very unhealthy because I guarantee you it's going to be McDonald's and not, you know, filet mignon every night. And because um, <clears throat> that takes too long. Have you ever been to one of those restaurants? It's two hours. Gosh, they take, you know, listen, when you live in hotels and you eat in restaurants every single day, you just want them to hurry up and give you, give you your food, not sit there for two hours. I mean, if I'm going out for a special occasion, I don't mind an hour and a half or two hours. But if, if you have to eat out breakfast, lunch, and dinner, give it to me and give me my food, give it to me now. So what do you do? McDonald's. So you don't want to eat out all the time. So a South African lady, you would never, if you would never tell someone, oh, I just dust my stove because you cook, you clean, you take care of the kids and you work a job. I mean, that's, that's just the culture. But of course, you know, I don't know how it is now, but of course we had help. We did. We had, we had ladies that worked in the house for us and helped. So you could invite as many people over as you wanted because somebody else was going to clean for you. So it was, it was great. You moved to America? That's why everybody, I'll meet you at a restaurant. <laughs> because if I invite you to my house, I gotta clean my whole house and it's gonna take me three days, right? Just kidding. But anyway. <laughs> so, so sometimes there's, there's you know, some things we have to prune out of our lives so we can get things done. Sometimes we, we've gotta, we've, there's some things we gotta do so we can go to the next level. And so the Lord spoke to me um, and he said to me actually through some self-help thing, you can get good stuff even from some of those people. But anyways, and they were saying, pay someone else for their time. And I was like, I can do that. And you know what, LaShawn, wave your hand. Bless her heart, she was here at Bible school. I mean, LaShawn's been everything, and she travels with Miss Debbie, and now she's a, she's a pastor, pastor's wife. She's the pastor, amen, of the, of the River Church up there in North Dakota. So good to have you here. Great, great woman of God. And she humbled herself and she was the first one. She came and she served and she cleaned my house. And she took such a load off of me. That was such a blessing. That was such a blessing. That helped me so much. And then over the years, we have had different young ladies and, and, and even some guys that came around and helped us. And many of them, you know, are, are in ministry today. I can look around and see the wives here, the husbands too, that, were, that are in ministry today. And they came and they served and they, they cooked cleaned and did the dry cleaning and what, you know, whatever we asked them to do. They served, they helped us, they helped us to do our job because we, we would be, you know, you come in, dump your stuff, you know, do the laundry quickly, repack and you back out the door and you need, you need those people that have your back, that know. So we tell our guys that work for us, you're the RFA team, ready for anything. <laughs> and they learn real quick what that means. It's like, oh, we have 50 people coming over in, an, in two hours, can you make the food? <laughs> Not 50, but yeah, we'll give them a little more notice for 50, but we've had like, we probably had like 20 or whatever. And you know what, they just, they just learned just, yeah. just get it done. You know, I'm ladies, I mean, I know some of us, our husband would say, oh, I've invited people over. I can raise my hand and both feet to, you know, throwing all the toys out the cot when he was, I went, you did what? You know what I mean? Because you're the one that's got to clean and cook and, you know, it's like, I'm ready, why did you do that? <laughs> so we've all been there, but you just have to like, okay, Lord, 
I can't do this by myself. You're going to have to help me. And how many of you know he comes through? But you know, there's, there's sometimes we've got to just, there's some things we can prune out of our life that are just um, distractions, are just sucking our time, and, and are just not, not bearing any fruit. So anything that's not producing fruit, cut it off. That's a biblical principle. If something's not bearing fruit, cut it off. You're not going to be able to, even though you have a heart for the world, you can't save the world by yourself. And men do this as well, you know, they take a burden on themselves to like do it all by themselves, you know, and, and I, I remember listening to a preacher many, many years ago talking about, I'm the only one, you know, I'm like, I thought I heard that before, wasn't there like a prophet that said, I'm the only one, and the Lord said, how many, how many did he have? Seven, huh, was it 7,000 more? I got 7,000 more, what are you talking about? <laughs> and that, that are still faithful to me, and, uh, and that I can use, amen. So. It's very important that you figure out what God wants you to do. Look, we can always compare ourselves to another lady and they look much more accomplished than us. They've got, much, they got it more together than us. They, 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 you know, they, they just get so much done and we, we can feel you know, challenged by that. <laughs> and then a little bit like, ooh, I'm not, you know, look at her. But don't look at her. I mean, like Proverbs 31 woman, it would be awesome if we could be the, every chapter, every verse in there, and that was we, that's what we aspire to, right? We, we're not gonna make excuses, well, I can't be like that, so I'm not gonna bother. We, we gotta bother, so we gotta try, we gotta at least head that direction, right? What does the Bible say? When we see Jesus, we'll be like him. Until then, we are a work in progress. So just be happy where you're at, and let God keep working, and you're growing, you're growing, you're growing, you're growing. Don't stop the growing process. Don't stop pressing into the Word. Don't stop allowing Him, you know, to do that work in your heart. Keep, let the growing process keep on. But there's those times in your life you've got to cut something off. You've got to prune something out. And it might be something in you. God's going to come, and He's going to touch you. That's what happens in these meetings. When people get under the fire and the, and the Holy Spirit, that, that, the, that's what it, basically, that's what these meetings are about. And so the joy just is the anesthetic while God cuts off all those dead branches in your life and those unfruitful things and the unproductive thing. Now, you don't want to be the entire, you, the, you don't want the whole of you to be the dead branch that gets cut off, right? So you don't want to be cold and you don't want to be lukewarm, but you want to be hot on fire. You don't want, because God says, be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I'm going to, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. So if you're going to do something, either be cold or be hot on fire for God all the way. Amen. And I believe everybody in here is hot on fire or heading in that direction. Amen. <laughs> Having that desire to be anyways, at least. So, yes, God's not going to fix us overnight. Some of us get frustrated because things aren't happening fast enough. But, you know, some things are a process. And I notice in my own life, it's like, as I pressed into the Lord, it was like I was growing and growing and growing and growing. And I didn't, I didn't see the change, but it was like, it was incremental. And then there was that moment that I had that touch from God and it's like everything hit at the same time, bam, and it's like I went to up the step into a next level. Do you know that they did experiments with babies and they measured how they grow? So they would come, they had, they had a whole bunch of babies and they would come every day and measure them. Exactly, measure them. And they found out babies don't grow slowly, they grow in spurts. So if you think your kid grows in spurts, you're not wrong. Your eyes are not deceiving you. Your child grows overnight. Literally, I, there's, there's a series called, it's, 
I think it was called Babies. It's not the movie Babies, but it's actually a series about, and, and they talked to different um, uh, doctors and scientists and, and showed the experiments of what babies are capable of. They're capable of a lot of amazing things. And they found out that they grow in spurts. Like it doesn't look like anything's happening. Then, So in your, in your spiritual life, the same thing. It's like you kind of, looks like you're still there, you know, in this one, this, this one place for a little while and suddenly, amen. You grow, you go to the next level. So, but you have to allow God to, you have to do your carpet time, whatever. If, it's, if you get full of joy, if you cry, bawl your eyes out, whatever, you know, because it's, it's not about the outward things, it's about yielding, Amen. right? So you don't have to cry, you don't have to laugh, but, uh, but as long as you yield it and you, you, you get hungry, hungrier and you yield it and God's doing that work in you and you're growing and you know that you're growing. Um, and God wants to touch you, he wants to, he, he wants to supernaturally touch you with all those things, but you don't have to have that to grow. You just have to be pressing and you have to have a heart that's willing and let him do it. And let him cut those things off. Don't try and hang on to them. Don't try to hang on to that stuff. You know, when, when the Lord touched me, even when I just got saved, the time that he touched me was in the worship services. I just lift my hands and be worshiping him, just focused on him, close my eyes and imagining I was standing before his throne. I could see the throne in front of me. And there were all the people that had gone before us, the witnesses, and they had their hands lifted up worshiping. I forgot about anybody else in the room. And those were the times. As I focused on God worshiping, that's when he came down and touched me. And I had this vision of God as a judgmental God. Look at what you did. Because that's what my dad showed me. Bless his heart. He didn't know anything else. And um, so there was a lot of telling you what you did wrong, but there wasn't a lot of encouragement of what you did right. I mean, he'd brag about us to other people, but he wouldn't tell us, you did, you did good. It would take a lot for my dad to say, you, you know, you did a good job. And because, you know, you got to keep kids humble. And anyways, and um, so when God came down and put his arms around me, all I felt was unconditional love. And yes, when his light shined in, I could see all, this, all the crud and the dirt and the junk in my life. You know, because when, you're, when your house is dark, you can't see the dust and the dirt. You have to like shine a light on it, you know. Uh, and, when you, and when you shine a light on things, when you turn a light on, that's when the rats and the cockroaches go scurrying. Because those things can, can, can survive in the dark. The, that mess can survive in the dark. So we have to shine the light of God's word and be unafraid to shine the light of God. Because sometimes we turn, ooh, turn it back off again just so we don't have to look at it. Well, nobody wants to look at rats or cockroaches, but, but maybe just the dirt and the dust and everything else in your, the house of your life. We need to be willing to turn the light on and get in there and do the work to, to clean it up and let God clean that stuff out. And so the Lord was showing me the things, but it was with no judgment or condemnation. And in that, as he had his arms around me and he was loving on me, I was like, oh, you want that thing? Oh, you can have it. Oh, you want that thing? You can have it. You want that thing? You can have it. I don't need it. I don't want it. You can have it, Lord. And so, so and you walk out of there and you're like, I can't believe I just gave up all that stuff. <laughs> because we can be spiritual hoarders like we are hoarders with material things. And we can hang on to all that stuff that's not doing us any good. A lot of times it's unforgiveness. A lot of times it's just being up on ourselves, having a bad attitude towards ourselves. Uh, it's all kinds of stuff that, that we didn't know was crusty, nasty stuff that we didn't even know was in there. And God comes to clean it out. And so we need to be willing 
to give it to him, let him in. So that's that pruning, whatever you want to call it. It's a cleaning, it's a pruning, it's a, and so let him clean those things out of your life because his plan for you is to, to he wants to take the load off you because those branches are heavy. Those dead branches are heavy. They're just, they're just heavy and dead and, and weighing you down and stopping you from doing what God's really called you to do. And so let, you gotta cut them off so you can be lightened up to, to, to do what the Lord wants you to do and accomplish everything. And so, again, figure out what, what God wants you to do and then do that with all your might. Don't try to save the whole world until you do what's right in front of you. So, you know, for me, for, for that season, there's seasons in your life, when you have children, your whole focus is on them. You take care of them, feed them. I don't believe I have to say that to some moms. Feed your children. That's your job. Feed them three times a day. The boys and snacks in between, because boys are never full, especially when they're teenagers. Prepare healthy food for them. Proverbs 31 tells us that, that she goes far away to get the good stuff, right? She prepares it, she plans. It's okay to have maids and servants, hallelujah, and people working for you, because she commands, she gets up early in the morning, she tells them what to do. This woman is, she's organized, she's accomplished, she's, you know, it's okay. You pay someone else to, to help you to do, and you're teaching them at the same time, and you're raising them up to, to learn, amen. Get your kids doing chores and that, they need to learn how to, don't just let them watch, sit and watch you know, the Mickey Mouse channel or whatever other rubbish they put on YouTube and everything. Get them off their blessed assurance and get them, keep them busy. Keep them busy, especially boys. Keep them busy. Get them doing things. Get them helping. If they're not playing sports or doing something, give them something to do. Because they, they, they're going to have to grow up and learn to do it anyway. Amen. So they need to, like, enjoy working. And, 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 and the joy, listen, no one, no one in Joy's the laundry, you know, but, but it looks so nice when it's all folded and put away. Nobody enjoys cleaning the bathroom, but it's so nice to walk in there and it's clean. Amen. So, you know, make, make your priorities. And okay, like, feed your kids. Let's get back to feed your kids. Feed your kids, make sure healthy food. Plan whatever you need to plan. Yes, but I'm too busy. Make a plan. If you need help, come to Pastor Cheryl. You plan your menu, you make your food, take a day, you have a day. Make food for the whole week and put it in the freezer and then don't warm it up in the microwave. Warm it up in the convection oven, right? Or on the stove or whatever. And then maybe there are some meals you can eat out here and there. But my mother worked a full day, seven in the morning till five, taking care of everybody else's children and she came home and she cooked food. And if the food took a little long, she just cut up a big thing, <laughs> five of us, right? So she didn't buy like the little cheese. She bought the cheese wheel. <laughs> it took up like half the fridge. She just cut up cheese and we'd sit there and eat cheese till food was ready. And so she, what, what, what was quick for her, for her wasn't spaghetti, it was meat. She grilled the meat and she, did, she just lightly steamed the vegetables. Whoops you know, 30 minutes, whatever, 45 minutes, and we had a meal. And when she had more time, she did the rice and the roast potato and the gravy. You know, we, did, we always did a big meal on Sunday. We always did the lamb and all of that kind of stuff. But she led by example. She worked all day and she, still, and she never complained. 
She never griped, she never gossiped, she never complained. We could put gripe and gossip under G right here to not to do. But she was my example. She had five kids, I was the first one. I was breech. She had a stupid doctor, young doctor. The old smart doctor was on vacation. He didn't let me come out like you're supposed to, turn the mom up, ease the baby out. He grabbed me and he pulled. I ended up in hospital for 10 days because all that, all that grunky stuff went up my nose, I nearly died. I couldn't breathe and was full of infection. God saved my life. But uh, here I am today, praise the Lord. But yet, let me tell you, my mother, she never told me how bad I was. She never, she never complained. She never said it was terrible. You know, some woman, well, you should respect me. Do you know what I went through to bring you into this world? No, they don't. And that's not, that's not their problem. It's not their problem. I know some of you have had, we've got ladies in this room who've had very traumatic childbirths and everything else. That's not your kid's fault and it's not their problem. And they don't owe you forever some kind of, because you gave birth to them, right? So get over it. Anyway, I don't know who I'm for, I'm talking to somebody. Not all of you, maybe somebody watching. <laughs> but when you get over that stinky, that's a stinky attitude, ladies, it just is. She never griped, she never complained. So listen, when I went in to have babies, I went in blissfully believing God and in a, in a way blissfully unawares. But I, in other words, I had no fear in my heart about it. And I didn't have stuff to get rid of, you know what? Because I believe God for supernatural childbirth, all of those things. But, but I didn't have to, I didn't have a whole bunch of stuff to, to have to like root out and get rid of and to get over before I could enjoy giving birth to three kids, amen. I didn't have a lot of stuff to unlearn or get out of my heart. So I'm just so thankful for that. So, so ladies, watch your mouth of what you say and what you say to your daughters and everything else. Just speak life. You know, I, I hate in America, that's terrible. All this, before you have a baby, oh my Lord, they give you, listen, the reality is that only 2% of, of, well, that used to be, I don't know what the stats are now, but only 2% of um, births really require extreme intervention. And it doesn't sound like that because I'm sure there's a much higher percentage of you that you can say there was some kind of drama involved, right? So there's a very good um, video, it was done a few, quite a few years ago by uh, Ricky Lake, and it's called The Business of Being Born. You gotta watch that, it's powerful. The Business of Being Born by Ricky Lake. She, was, she used to do the, that talk show and whatever back in the day. And, um, and she tells you all about that. But anyways, so, um, so the thing is that they, they give you all this negative stuff and so much fear. So by the time you go in, and any lady midwife that's been delivering babies for a long time, they will tell you that you go in all tense and fearful, it, it, it makes everything so much worse. It makes everything so much, you know, the pain is worse, everything. You need to be calm, you need to be peaceful, and uh, you know, sometimes you need the epidural, but <laughs> But, and if you have to, then you have to. That also is not always the funnest experience, uh, even afterwards. But, but whatever you need, but we, you can believe God that whatever, whatever goes down, that his hand is gonna be on you, on the baby, on your body, you know what I mean, and everything else. I wanna get into the whole thing on that. But, but you know, God will grace you, God will help you. And so what I'm, what I'm trying to say to you is, I didn't go in with all of this, carrying all of this fear, 
And, uh, and I'm so thankful for that. And you know what? And so I went to God. I had my whole list of, of things that were um, like my, my confession for, for, um, for childbirth. And, and one of the things was that the, the pregnancy and delivery would be a testimony. And all three of my kids were a testimony. My Jewish doctor, the first one. The second one was to, to um, you know, we, in the, we had a church in this little town being persecuted by the Dutch Reformed pastor and a Dutch Reformed lady. Uh, you know, they all, this little tiny town, everybody's very gossipy and whatever, and they, you know, we were the cult in town because we were Pentecostal. And uh, they all ran their mouth about us and gossiped about us and everything else. It was only her and the doctor. And it was a testimony. It was a testimony. I mean, my Jewish doctor, he said to me, he said to me, something's working here. My husband goes, the word is working. And afterwards he was asking me, what does this scripture mean? You know, about the left hand, the right hand. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it was funny. He asked me some other questions as well, but he came and asked me questions about the word. I mean, because the birth was a testimony. And then with, with Kelly, the lady, she was saying to me, you know, because when I came in, she's like looking at me. And afterwards, because, you know, I thank God. Well, let me just say this. When I was believing God, and I had a whole lot of scriptures and all this kind of stuff. And with my first child, I'm like, Lord, can I believe for a supernatural childbirth? And that's another book we recommend. Can I believe for that? And you know the devil, there were two, and I hate to say it, word of faith, gentlemen, word of doubt and unbelief, came in and st- preached, you can't believe for a supernatural childbirth because of Eve. I'm like, hello, because of Jesus. Amen. And so the curse is that you, it's going to be, you know, you, it's going to be tough. It's going to be giving birth now is going to be cha- a challenge, right? That was the curse on Eve. But what the Bible says that Jesus bore all those griefs and all those pains and all those sorrows. I'm not going to give birth in sorrow. I'm going to give birth in joy. And so they, they're preaching this and I'm like, first of all, I'm like, hold on a cotton picking minute. And you know what? Maybe his wife didn't have a fantastic experience. And I know we've had a lot of ladies, more people get all messed up on this than anything else, I think, because people really believe God and then they get into the delivery room and things kind of go south. But if you come out of there, listen, but look at, the, look, at, look, at, look at Kristen's testimony. I mean, you know what, and look at, and Jessica, I mean, at the time it wasn't fun, but, but look at what God did. They, they have it, through the whole thing, they have a testimony. And God saved the baby, God rescued the baby. I can't tell you how many, um, you know, that the, like woman that nearly died, you know, on the table and God brought them around, total miracle, total testimony to the doctors. So listen, we just, we trust God to the end. I mean, if, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. So you gotta live your life like whatever happens, I'm gonna still serve him, you know, whatever. So, and whatever comes, he'll help me, he'll get me through, he'll, he'll give us the miracle, you know. Uh, and, and I can tell you that just everything we went through with Kelly, everything else, God's hands, God's grace, and we don't let the devil, see, we, we live on this earth and stuff happens because people are like, how can God allow that? Well, he allows you, he allows a lot of stuff because he did it from the beginning. He put Adam and Eve there. Well, Adam, and then he took Eve out of Adam. But he said, this is the earth, it's yours. You work it and watch over it and take care of it. Well, they screwed up and they, you know, listened to the devil and put it under his dominion. So since then, everything is all screwed up. So we live in a screwed up world. Things go screwed up, screwy, upside down in your life because of things you did because you were stupid and dumb and you sinned or because of things completely out of your control. 
I didn't know I carried cystic fibrosis. It's not my fault that I did. I can't help what body I was born into. That's, you know, it's there, was there, was there, is there. My husband can't help it. Two recessive genes. Three, you know, one in every, about 20, 25 Caucasian people carry the cystic fibrosis gene and never know it because the healthy always predominates. When two people marry, one in 300 of a couple marrying who both carry it, and then every child you have is a one in four chance of, of having cystic fibrosis. So you're rolling the dice every time that you get pregnant, pretty much. And so um, I don't even think, I think Kirsten was tested. I don't think she's even a carrier at all. And, um, uh, and I believe Kenneth is not either. Amen. That generational curse is broken. <laughs> Amen. And so, you know, so she's born and you go, and I was like, hey, Lord. You knew, you spoke to my husband in an audible voice, you spoke to me in a dramatic, supernatural way. I, knew, I know that I know that I know beyond, I know anything in my life that Rodney's my husband, supposed to be ordained by God. You knew we both carry CF, and you called us together, what the heck? I didn't say that, but it was, you know, I was like, Lord, what's going on? And he just, he said to me, you could have had her and not had me. And it was a, like, put your hand, slap your hand over your mouth moment. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, Lord. Because I looked at all those other unsaved parents with their cystic fibrosis kids and the torment that they went through. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, that you're here for me. Yes, we live in an imperfect world and stuff happens. And sometimes it has nothing to do with us. Just believe me. You know, we were taught if something goes wrong in your life, it's because you did something wrong. Then they said, but if you go for God, the devil won't like it and he'll attack you. Well, which one is it? So I'm so thankful for Jerry Savelle because he, he preached a message, uh, it was years later, but you know, things that the Lord already showed me and dealt with me, and, you know, that, but, but that was an encouragement to me where he says, only two times the devil will attack you when you're doing something right and when you're doing something wrong. And so we can't dwell in that place of the attack, but we have to dwell in the place of the answer. And so as long as you're carrying guilt and condemnation, so Rodney was looking for the sin in his life, I was looking for the sin in my life, everybody else was looking for the sin in our life. I mean, that's a fun process. And you know it, they're looking at you. You know, you know they are, and they're judging you. Um, and you know what, that's where like, because I got saved into like, what you could, maybe you could call it, well, it was really more of a Pentecostal word of faith, which is nothing wrong with that. It just means we take this literally, right? There's some people call themselves word of faith, they've worded, worded doubt and unbelief, like I said. Um, they were closed down last year and everything else. But anyway, that's not another story. We're not gonna look at anybody or say any, name any names or, but anyways, let me get away from that. Um, so when that, when that guy came along, and I'm hopping around here, I'll come back. Um, when that guy came and he said, no, you can't have this experience. I'm like, guess what? Well, I didn't, I said it to myself, but I said, you are a boy. You ain't never gonna have to carry our baby and you ain't never gonna have to push it out. So you sit down, shut up. <laughs> and I would never did say that to his face because that would be very disrespectful, but I said it to him anyways and he didn't know it. And the other guy too. I said it to myself, to him. I was saying it for myself. And then I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, I respect those guys. They're men of God, I honor them. But I don't listen to a word of a man. I want to hear what you have to say to me. I want to hear from you. And God gave me scriptures to stand on, including, you know, Jesus bore those griefs and sorrows and everything else. And I'm like, okay, 
thank you. I am gonna have a supernatural childbirth and I'm not taking all that nonsense and that's it. And so God graced me, went in three babies, no nothing, no epidurals, not that they even offered you epidurals in South Africa, but no epidurals, no gas, no nothing, no, no knocking you out, you know. Um, and t- first labor, 23 hours, which actually wasn't the bad one because it was 20, you know, she was almost a C-section because she was two weeks early and the, my, my contractions just slowed down and then she was too high and she was turned the wrong way. And so when we realized it, we prayed, baby, because we didn't know what it was. We, we didn't know what any of them were. It was like, the doctor had the best job. He was the gender reveal. It's a, <laughs> it's a boy, it's a girl, you know. And so <laughs> it's much more fun than popping a cannon or a balloon or whatever. But anyway, and so, <laughs> and <laughs> so uh, we prayed, baby, turn around and move down and be born. And she was a couple of hours later. And I didn't even push that long and, and there she was. And then with, with Kelly, it was only a five hour labor. So it was super intense. And that's the only one that I actually had like, you know, the instruction beforehand, whatever you call it, pre, prenatal, whatever. And my husband had the, the class where he was told to make sure that I relax. And so listen, those contractions were pretty, listen, it was like, it's muscles that you don't often use, right? And they're working like crazy. So it's like being completely unfit and running a marathon. That's what it was. So it wasn't painful, it was just muscles are working, 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 and I felt it in my back. So my husband's job was praying tongues and rub my back. And so when he would stop praying, I'd tell him, you know, his job, hey, keep praying. Can you keep praying? I mean, uh, so it wasn't anything I couldn't, couldn't cope with or couldn't handle, but you know, I couldn't just then have a cup of tea and a conversation. But anyways, but afterwards you feel so amazing. I tell you what, those hormones, those Happy hormones after you have that baby is so good. <laughs> you don't, definitely don't need none of the drugs. But anyway, and so with Kelly, it was so intense. I was like, I was doing this, so my husband's like, he's telling me. And I'm trying, because I was told, relax and breathe. The first child, I was breathing all wrong. <laughs> but it, it was okay. She still came out okay. The second child, I, I learned how to, the, the proper way to breathe. And so he's just telling me, you know, he can see I'm tensing. So he's saying, relax, relax. That was the only time. I never went through transition. I never, in, in the sense of I never cursed him out and said, this is your fault. And like garbage that woman I was supposed to do. And, um, and so <laughs> he said, relax. And I, and I was like, you relax. I'm having a contraction. <laughs> anyway, that was it. <laughs> I was like, I'm doing my best to relax. Anyway, and when she was born, listen, that nurse said to me, because the doctor that I had, there was only two doctors in town, and he, his wife was the worst one. She had a reputation around town. When she went in to have her babies, she screamed, she shouted, she abused everybody, and she cursed, and she was, she was nasty. She was, she was impossible. She didn't listen to anything and just screamed, made a huge fuss, huge fuss. So that nurse, I felt bad for the doctor, but that nurse in front of the doctor, she's like, <laughs> so she comes in, you know, suspicious, because you know, I told you they were, little town and we were like the cult in town. And I tell you, by the end, she was calling me, my dear, my love, my whatever, you know, those South African endearment terms are. The next time you have a baby, you come in here. I'm gonna call all those ladies in town. They can come watch you give birth so they can see that you can behave yourself. (laughs) Uh, I mean, that was my testimony. 
testimony, right? I prayed for a testimony. That was my testimony. And it was so funny because, uh, <laughs> because I'm like, oh, wow. You know, that was a compliment, right? But I'm like, that, I am not having the whole town come in and watch me give birth, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I just need my husband and the medical personnel. Everybody else, you're out of here. I know in America, you have your mom and your uncle, yeah, not your uncle, but your mom and your auntie and your sister, and hopefully not your uncle unless he's the doctor. But even then, that's a little too personal, right? Rather get a doctor you don't know. Anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I just, my husband and the medical personnel, we're, we're good to go. Anyways, and then with, uh, with Kelly, with, uh, with Kenneth, um, I'm trying to think what happened with that one. Anyways, yeah, I'll remember later. But each, you know what, each, each, one, each one of those was just such a testimony to the, to the, to the midwives, to the, to the people that were there. I mean, when I came in with Kenneth, um, I went into labor like 7.30 at night. His labor was about seven, seven and a half hours. And so by, I went into labor doing the dishes after dinner, so it was like 7.30. So by midnight, my husband's like, are we going to the hospital or are we not going to the hospital? I'd really called the midwife and she just said, well, just when your contractions get, you know, close together or whatever, you come in. And he's lying there. And now that with the first child we lived, we were an hour out, first baby, right? So I, in the morning I wake up because I had contractions all night. So I asked my mom, you know, what is this? I just thought it was a stomach ache. I didn't realize I'm in labor because it was two weeks early, right? Baby's not, can't be labor, but it's two weeks early. And so... So when I woke up in the morning, I said, call, call my mom, because and and, uh, we were staying with her. And I told her what, what I was feeling. She's like, yeah, you're in labor. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go take a bath, and then we'll go to the hospital. My husband's like, no, you're not. We're getting in the car, and we're going right now. I'm like, but I'm going to take a bath. Anyway, he loads me in the car, and he raced, because it's an hour to the hospital. So don't, we don't want to have a baby in the car, right? And it was a, in a country, and the roads kind of went like that. And there was one spot. <laughs> He, he, was, he was trying to race me to the hospital. I went over this bump. My head hit the ceiling of the car. <laughs> oh, and I got there, and the contraction slowed right down. So he went and he ended up going, anyway, this is funny. This is not, doesn't, doesn't mean he's a bad husband, right? It just it took the whole day. I, but he went and uh, rode a roller coaster and bought me a watch. <laughs> Came back, and we're still in there in time to see the baby being born. But anyways... So it took the whole day. I mean, from 10.30 at night until 9.30 the next night. So, so with, with, with Kenneth, right? So my husband's like, midnight, he's third child. You better tell me if you want to go to the hospital or not because I am not racing. <laughs> I'm not speeding. And it was a little close. It was about 30 minutes to the hospital. So I'm like, okay. And there's, there's no traffic on the roads in South Africa at night. So we get in the car and we get ready to get in the car anyways. And... Uh, I don't even know why I'm telling you this whole story. I didn't mean to tell you this whole story. It's supposed to be like talking about growing. But anyway, so he's, I get, we get to the car. So he jumps in the one side. I'm getting in the other side. And I'm not getting in the car. And he's like, get in the car. And, but that first really strong contraction hit me. I, I, you can't stand. It's like the contraction hits you and you're like. <laughs> so I'm hanging on the car door. This contraction. He's like, get in the car, get in the car. I'm like, I can't. Just hold on. Just give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the, you know, it eases up. I get in the car. We get to the hospital. Check me in. I go upstairs, and we go in the natural birthing unit at Johannesburg Hospital. And the midwife's there, and she's got someone else in the tub, whatever. And the, well, I don't know. There's a lady. Well, actually, I think the next day the lady had a. You could have your. I didn't know you could have a baby underwater, but I'm glad I didn't do it because the baby that was born underwater ended up in like intensive care because it had water. It just it sucked in water. We're not dolphins. We need to. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, it's great. <laughs> it's great to sit in the water, but you know, the baby needs to bring some air when it comes out. Maybe you had a good pool experience, but. <laughs> up to he says, listen, lady, ma'am, madam, ma'am, whatever, nosy, you don't understand. If you're waiting for my wife to make a big fuss, to let you know she's in labor, she isn't going to do it. So you need to come check her now. <laughs> and I was already like seven and a half and he was born a few hours later. But, you know, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> but it was a, it's a testimony, right? It's a testimony of the goodness of God and that he's, he's faithful to his, to his word and he's faithful to us. And uh, so I, I can tell you something though, that even though the, my labor wasn't that, in, that intense with Kelly, as, I mean Kirsten as it was with the other because it was 23 hours, the next day I, I was walking around like I'd had a C-section, you know, because 23 hours of, of contractions, I, I was walking around like that. I think about the first two days. But you know what, then I recovered and everything was wonderful. So uh, oh, anyway, the Lord is good. But you know, it, it, you can believe God for whatever, because there's some things you can't escape. I mean, I can remember dealing with fear, right? With, when I was pregnant with Kenneth, I remember walking down the passage of the hospital after my checkup, because you go every month, right? Or in the last few weeks, every week or whatever. And I remember fear hit me about because it's like, okay, he's in there and there's only one way he's coming out. It's kind of like Jonah and the whale. <laughs> well, there's a couple of ways he could have gone, gone, come out, but he didn't want to come out the back end. He wanted to go out the front end. So thankfully he got vomited out. <laughs> but it's like, there isn't another way for this baby to come out. And you know, a lot of this young generation, they're like, oh, just cut me open and take it out. It's a major operation, ladies. It's not like a plastic surgery. It's not an elective procedure. You don't want, you, 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 want, to, you want to do it the way the way God made it to be, if, if, if at all possible. If you cannot, that's fine. No condemnation at all. Will you do whatever you can to save that baby? Amen. And, uh, but, <laughs> but I, I remember that fear. I was like, I, I know I've got to push this. He's in there now. I didn't know it was he, but I did know it was he. In my heart, I knew it was a he. And, uh, and I, got, I, had a, you know, I know I've got to push him out. And the fear hit me. And I really had to deal with that. So even when you've been through something or whatever, even if you've had a victory, that doesn't mean that, it, that you're not gonna get assaulted with some kind of fear or some kind of attack in your mind. You know, just because you had a breakthrough in giving, uh, you know, today, it doesn't mean that tomorrow you're not gonna be challenged in that area and that you're not gonna have to build up your faith and you're not gonna have to stand on the word again. Amen. There's, it's always, there's always fresh challenges, but the good thing about that is there's always fresh victories and there's fresh testimonies. Amen. So if you've given a testimony and then it's like the next month everything falls to pieces and you feel terrible, I get that testimony how good God is and now look at what a mess I'm in. It's like, but don't stay in that place of the mess. Like gather yourself, refocus, get in the word and pick yourself up, strengthen those arms. Come on ladies, Proverbs, strengthen those arms. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. The Psalms are such an encouragement to me because David starts out, Lord, you know what's going on with me. 
If it was a girl, he would probably do that. And, and you know what? They're all picking on me. They'll be mean to me. And they'll want to kill me. And they're lying about me. And, uh. and then he ended off with, but I know you're my rock. You're my fortress. You never let me down. You never fail me. And if I trust in you, you make my arms strong. And <laughs> I can bend a bow of, what was it? Bronze or whatever. And <laughs> so we, we can pick ourselves up. Pick yourself up with a word. You can sit and mope and you know, be a victim or a victor, you can gripe, you can whine, you can feel sorry for yourself. We all have many, how many of you had opportunities to feel sorry for yourself? We've all had many opportunities to feel sorry for ourselves, and, and, and especially, you know, when your hormones are all over the place, it's like, you know, we're especially susceptible. And so we have, to be, we have to know that, we have to guard that. You know, one of the best pieces of advice my mother ever gave me when she was telling me about, the, the, about life, you know, when I was becoming a teenager, and she was telling me what was going to happen. And she said to me, we wouldn't even say it then, but my mom gave me great advice. She said, you have control over it. It doesn't have to have control over you. Amen. You can tell your feelings how to feel. You can tell your body how it needs to feel. Because your feelings come, you have to understand, feelings come out of the sense realm. Feelings come out of your emotions. It come out of that soulish area. It's the things you can see. It's the things you, 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 can, you can hear and taste and touch, smell. You know, it's, it's out of that, the sense realm. Your feelings are dominated by your sense realm. That your feelings are dominated by, by your hormones, uh, by what's going on that day, about if your husband was snappy with you uh, that day, or nice to you, or, or your boss was rude to you, or somebody walked right past you and they didn't say hello to you. You know, it's... Come on, there's all kinds of things that you can get offended by and discouraged by and, and, and you know, that can get your, your thought life going. You really, you've got to nip it in the bud. You've got to nip, it's so important. The Bible says guard. That was actually one of my points next on, so we'll, we'll finish it up tonight. But guard, guard your heart with all vigilance, with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Um, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 4, we don't, we don't our fight is not with, with flesh and blood. The weapons of our warfare are not flesh and blood either, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down. So I would be, Lord, I cast down every vain imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I bring to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus. Let's do that right now. Just put your hands on your head. Say, Lord, I cast down every vain imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I bring into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 So when the devil is bringing an attack against your mind, sometimes, you know, get in the word, get the word on tape. I like, you know, Bible Gateway is a good one too that you, that you can just play they, they got the whole Bible, just play it all day long. Just turn on the audio, pick whoever, pick your translation and your person, uh, YouTube. There's so many ways that you can just listen to the word and, and just play it, 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 play it. Remember the word is active, it's alive, it's energized, it's energizing. So you keep playing that word as it goes in you, it's working, it's working, it's working, it's working in you, it's working through you, it's working around you, it's working for you. Uh, the, word, the word will work. And then sometimes you just need to do that. You need to just go lay hands on your head and just Pray that scripture in 2 Corinthians and cast down. And you know what? I don't know if you've ever done this, but I, especially when I was first saved and wrestling with my, you know, my head and in the process of renewing the mind, 
There were times that I would just grab my head and do that, take authority over these thoughts that were assaulting me and attacking me. And, and you know, I would pray that prayer and you know, every thought would leave so fast, I couldn't even remember what I was thinking. And then I realized, hey, that was you, Mr. Devil. And I like what Brother Hagen would always say. He said, you know what? The birds can fly over your head, but you don't have to let them make a nest in your hair. And thoughts are going to come, all kinds of thoughts. Uh, thoughts of, of, of defeat, thoughts of inadequacy, thoughts, uh, you know, thoughts about yourself, or just little offenses, little you know, stuff other people do that you can get offended by. And some of us are, are, some of us are very sensitive, which can be a good thing. You know, to be sensitive to the needs of others, but some of us are a little too sensitive because we take things way too personally. You know, boys can just be confrontational with one, confrontational with one another. They have an ability to, like, say, a boss with an employee. Listen, that that's a big mess. It's a do. You fix that. Go and fix it and fix it and fix it. And 30 minutes later, they can go and have coffee together, and everything's fine. So let let your husband deal with those things, ladies. Don't stop him. Let him do the confrontation, not, not just with you, or you, but let him deal with your kids. Let him deal with, now dads also have to learn not to be harsh and crush their little spirits and all that kind of stuff. But like even in ministry and everything, don't stop your husband from taking authority over someone and telling them which end is up. Because maybe they need to hear it. Yeah. Amen. But it's grace and truth, grace and truth, grace and truth, grace and truth. So we tell people the truth, but we, we offer them the grace to see the future to do better. So it's not condemnation, but it's, you gotta, you gotta bring a conviction about some things. And you gotta deal, if that's your place. If it's not your place, zip it. If it's not your place to interfere into someone else's life and tell them what to do, be quiet. You know, with this mask thing, oh my Lord. I saw an article, they said, early, early in the, the pandemic, they were asking people, what that phenomenon was of like, we call it the Karen, because of this one lady that was on video, Karen, fussing at some, something she was fussing about. And, um, but these mask Nazis, right? If you're not wearing one and they attack you um, and then film you and, and then they're so proud of themselves. And the whole article was actually about, well, it was a mention in the article, they asked a psychologist and he was saying, well, these people are, they're basically sociopaths that are the sociopathic tendencies, let me say that, and they like the power they like him that power, bossing someone else around. So then when King Fauci says, first in the beginning, he's like, a mask is, he spoke the truth. In the beginning, he spoke the truth. He said, masks are not gonna help you. And any honest medical professional will tell you, masks are not gonna stop a flu epidemic. In fact, everywhere that they harshly masked everybody, it went up. They did a Danish study. Masks don't work. You've got, amen, you've got to, with a virus, a virus is going to virus. You've got to let the virus do what it does. You've got to hospitalize people who get sick and you've got to figure out how to, how to fix it, which they knew all along, but it, that's a whole nother story. Um, but they, they just used this, it was political theater. It was, it, was about, it was about the rich getting richer, those few ungodly men, we won't mention them here, billionaires, look who got, got richer through this thing and you'll know who was behind all of it. Why do you think they, they paid those people to go and burn those buildings down? They weren't offended because some black dude died because a lot of black people die and nobody makes a fuss. And why do they always make a fuss when it's an evil, bad, criminal guy? Why don't they stand up for the policeman that got just shot brutally? Amen. 
trying to stop people from, from destroying people's businesses, right? So, so, stand up for the, so that wasn't about that. You have to understand, they used that. They used it. They used, people get all hurt up about things and you know, the media stirs them up. The Bible talks about the ringing of a nose produces blood. And that's what our media does. Ring the nose, ring the nose, ring the nose all the time. And the media and the politicians and lie. And, every, and people who don't know any better believe it. And that whole thing was about destroying. They destroyed, bless the inner city businesses. This lady built this hair, hair salon. 30 years she poured into it and they burned the thing down. That's unrighteous. And she's sitting there crying. That's her whole life, 30 years, and she's gotta go back and figure out how to rebuild. And then they wanted to charge them to rebuild the, Minneapolis, wanna charge them to rebuild the building. You defunded the police, you take your own money, you city council, you, and you come and build the building back with your own hands. Unrighteous, amen. So, you know what that was about? That was about making those places, making those, you know, because a lot of those buildings are old and they're sort of falling down, but it's people's life, it's their business and they live in the neighborhood. That was about burning everything down, looting it, destroying the businesses, destroying small businesses, so the big guys with all the money can come in, clear it and buy that property for pennies on the dollar. That's what that was about. And I don't even know why I'm saying this and, and I'm getting on my soapbox and I didn't want to do that at all. But I'm saying you have to look beyond what, what you've seen with your eyes, amen. So that, that is unrighteous, totally unrighteous. And so, what was I saying before I was talking about that so I can get back to it? Hmm? Grace and truth. And what do you? And guard your heart, okay. <laughs> so, I don't want to say that. Anyways, but it's so important for us. Again, it'll come back to me. I remember it later. Be like, <laughs> anyway, but we, we, have, we have to do what's right no matter what anybody else is doing. Oh, yeah, I was talking about the mask Nazis. And um, so there's people that feel like it's okay. Look, if you want to wear the mask, wear the mask. If you don't want to wear the mask, then, you know, it, it's like the stores. It, it's like, hey, ask me if I've got a mask, whatever. Tell me it's your store policy and then leave me the, alone to be a grown-up and make my own decision about if I'm gonna wear one or not. Amen. And so people come and they interfere where it's not their business because they feel empowered. Throw, throw a brick through a coffee shop window because they just, you know, because the mayor decided they should lock down. But the mayor's having a party with all of her friends with no masks on, but we've got to all lock down and be separated give me a cotton pick and break. But anyways, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's a big farce. But those people, what I wanted to talk about was those people get off on like bossing other people around, poking their nose in their business. And you know, there's a whole culture that they're creating. And I wanna say this, this is very important. There's a whole culture that they're creating in America of see something, say something, tell on your neighbor. Listen, if any of you know history and you've learned a little bit, even a little bit about Nazi Germany, about Russia, about Romania, about all the communistic systems in Venezuela and how they do things, and how they do things, they get you to spy on your neighbor. Call, oh, my, neighbor, my neighbors are having a party. There's three cars outside their house. You have to wear a mask, you need to wear a mask. It was, it was, I mean, it was such a shame. People, every, 
they, they ran people out the grocery stores because it was up north, not Florida. But, but someone came in a grocery store without a mask. They, the whole place ganged up on them. Listen, you might as well just put the yellow star on yourself if you're not going to wear the mask, if you're not going to conform and wear the, you know, the Chinese face burker, because that's what it is. Because that's who's behind everything. That's who's paying all these leaders. That's who's rewarding them for all of this. Amen. Because they... China hates America, they hate Trump, he took them on, and, and yeah, I don't want to say they took him out, because God gets the last laugh. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. So, you know, so we stand up for the truth and what's right, we mind our own business. So minding your own business means stay out of someone else's business. Now be telling them what to do if that's not your place. If, if that you have a burden, pray, right? Pray for them, bless them, pray for them. If you are the authority, if you are the pastor of that person, if you are the mom of that child, then take your place and deal with that thing and sort it out. If you're the dad of the child, the mother of the child, then that is your place to sort the child out, not somebody else's. So people, you know, they, they, want to, they don't want to sort out what they're, they're not, they don't want to take care of what they're supposed to take care of, but they want to fix everything else. It's like these ladies running around interfering in everybody else's business and they're not taking care of their kids at home. Like I said, feed them, make sure they get sleep, very important. Grumpy kids, pff, grumpy mom, <laughs> you know. It's, it, when you adopt a child, they tell you, or take a kid from foster care, don't try to love them, I mean love them, but feed them and give them a schedule. That right there, that's gonna make them, it's gonna make the adrenals calm down. They're gonna relax, they know. I'm not gonna be out on the streets tomorrow. I'm not gonna be moved somewhere. I'm, 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 not, I'm not gonna go without food. I'm not gonna not have something to wear. So you just, just those basics. So, Maybe you've adopted a child, maybe you haven't, but your child needs that security of the routine, of the predictability. They need that. They need to be fed. We took our kids on the road. We didn't have a schedule. It was hard. It was very, it's very hard because part of your discipline in raising kids is that structure you create around them of your schedule. But our schedule was the road schedule. But I did my best as a mom, which I'll share with you some more tonight because we're, we're gonna wrap it up now. But I did my best to ask God for his grace. I'm gonna talk about grace tonight, God's grace. Grace my children. Grace me, help me to do this. Whatever my kids miss out on, please make it up to them. Lord, I consecrate myself to do what you've called me to do, but you gotta grace me and you gotta help me. You have to grace my, my, my marriage. You gotta grace my children. You gotta, you gotta help me to do what you've called me to do. You only have a certain amount of energy. Focus it on what God's put in front of you. Focus on what's yours. Your husband is your priority. God, your first priority. Your husband, yeah, your, your, when I say God, your relationship with God, not your ministry. For men, the same. Number one, your relationship with the Lord. Then your spouse, if you're married. Your children are your priority. Everything else is beyond that. So those things need to be taken care of. And God will grace you to do that. If he's given it to you, he will grace you. 
When I, whenever I needed anything, I prayed, God provided. When I needed a, a help, he brought help. When I needed a teacher, he brought me a teacher. Spoke to her on the ground, on the, no, on the floor, said, I want you to go teach those kids and I want you to love them. And she traveled around the world with us, Regina, and, and schooled my kids and, and helped me with that and took that load and that burden off of me. She was such a blessing. God will grace you. I really wanna talk more about this. We'll talk more about it tonight. So I just wanna encourage you with this. So don't be worrying about everybody else and what they're doing and like, cut that out. You don't have time to be all over that. You know, that's, that's sapping your strength. That's sapping your joy. It's, sap, it's, you know, it's taken away from you. But cut out all of that extraneous thing. Whatever is whatever's unnecessary, let the Lord show you. Ask God to show you the areas of your life that you need to prune and cut some things out. And then focus, laser focus on the important things, on what really needs to be done. And if, I think if anything helped us to bring some perspective was this last year of what's really important, of what's really important to do and for, to focus on. And you know, for us, our focus was from here out to the world, local church with literally an international vision did whatever God called us to on this. My husband had this urgency, you know, the 300 cities that we were, we were trying to accomplish and it, it was cut short, but God knew. And I, under, I understand why there was such an urgency. And with my husband, everything's an urgency. But yes, it is because Jesus is coming very soon. And I'm not saying that in a negative way, I'm saying he was right, right? But now God has us here focusing on this place and out of here, thank God for the technology that we have to, to broadcast to the world, to the nations, and to touch people. I can't tell you how many people are still locked down, still in desperate situations, and this is their lifeline. This is their life, so don't underestimate. Even the green desk, we were amazed at how many, just sitting in our house, broadcasting out, trying to help people love them, reach out. It was people's lifeline. The relationships in our life, the godly people speaking into our life, talking to us, the words from the Lord, you know, which my husband has shared, and, and, then, and then other people encouraging us. Because they see, they see other, your friends see things from a different angle. They, you know, so you want friends that encourage, not discourage. You want friends, oh, did you see that news? Now you want to be like, this is what the Lord said to me, and be encouraged. So we were iron sharpens iron. We were bouncing off one another. We had ministers. My husband was, my husband hardly got any sleep because he's calling around the world, different time zones, encouraging everybody, encouraging them, blessing them, encouraging them. And, uh, and so, you know, he also had to pull back a bit and rest because it was... It was, a, it was a load and his blood pressure went up, not because of blood pressure, because of his adrenals. And you know, the only way to fix your adrenals, you have to rest. You can't take a pill for it. Well, you can take some supplements, but you have to rest. And so, so what he's done is he's pacing himself, he's focused. If, if anything, does, if, he doesn't, if there's something he doesn't need to be focusing on, he cuts it off, he just focuses on what he needs to. And then he makes himself, because he's so full of energy, he's so excited, he can overdo it. So he makes himself, I'm going home, I'm going to sleep today, I'm going to rest. So we need that balance in our life. We need to have those. Everybody needs a Sabbath. Remember that. Everybody needs mommies, wives, businesswomen. You need a Sabbath. So make sure with God's help you carve out a rest, a rejuvenation, take care of yourself. You know, you can't strengthen your arms unless you get refreshed. So you come get refreshed in the presence of God. That's what you're here for. That's what you came for this week. Amen. Get refreshed and get renewed, get, get strengthened. And then also in, in, in the natural, you know, do things to refresh yourself. If you need to go to the spa, go to the spa, go get a massage, whatever you need to do, do that. Get some exercise that actually, actually helps you sleep better and everything else. I'm talking to myself. But anyway, <laughs> 
And one thing, I'm gonna have to maybe make an appointment with Erica. I don't want her to kick my butt though. <laughs> but you know what? No, no pain, no gain, right? But anyways. So I just wanna encourage you, just God will grace you, laser focus, cut off the dead stuff, focus on what God wants, and, and let's see some fruit come of it and we'll pick it up uh, tonight. But Lord, I bless every lady right now. As they go, I thank you, Lord, for what you've already done today, all the ladies you ministered to. And I thank you, Lord, that they leave with something that they can take and that they can use, they can appropriate in their life. And Lord, I thank you for the work that, you, that you've done and you're doing in them. And as they go from this place, I thank you, Father, that you will, you will, that deposit you put in them, it will just grow and grow and grow and produce good fruit. And I thank you, Lord, that they will be a blessing. They are blessed and they will be a blessing everywhere they go and to everybody that they meet. And so, Lord, we bless them, we bless them, we bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you tonight. Amen.